Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, celebration of Christ's resurrection can never be overstated. What Jesus did on the cross for all mankind is overwhelming. The sins of every person to ever walk on earth, or who will ever walk on earth, were atoned for, paid for by a single sacrifice, a sacrifice from the Creator Himself. And how could anyone cease to be awestruck by that? John summarizes this in a way that rolls off the tongues of many Christians without even a second thought. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus is our true God, our suitable mediator, our perfect redeemer. He is our defender, our intercessor. And as a leader of a Lutheran church once said, our ultimate, complete Savior. How could anybody take him for granted? I posit that one reason may be because when we view Jesus from such a wide-angled lens, his work becomes so less personal to us. You see, Jesus saved all of mankind. But I don't know all of mankind. I don't have a relationship with all of mankind. And so the majesty of that act is lost. At least it's lost on me. I need something more personal, something much smaller that I can wrap my mind around. And that's what I really enjoy about today's gospel passage. It reduces the entirety of God's almighty power, His grace, and His mercy into the human form of a single man. Jesus. And it reduces the entirety of Jesus' work into one single action for one sinful human being. Lazarus. One act. Two men. This is something I can wrap my mind around. So this task becomes understanding this event in light of my own life. And seeing it as a microcosm of the totality 
of Jesus' work for all of mankind. So then, of course, the next question then is this, what does Lazarus' death have to do with me? And we can start with the last portion of that passage. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Lazarus lay dead, unable to move. Not only that, he began to decompose. He was wasting away there, and there was nothing that he could do to change his situation. He couldn't even think about the reality of his situation. Dead people don't think. So he lay there, unaware of the situation that he was in and ignorant of its implications. Martha was spot on when she predicted that there would be an odor. Dead men stink. But even the smell would not have phased Lazarus. He was, as I mentioned, dead. Were we not exactly like Lazarus? Dead in our sins, unaware even of the situation, and ignorant of its implications. And yet, Jesus doesn't wait for us to figure that out, to find a way to raise ourselves from death and seek him. He travels to us. He travels all the way to us. There's not a single step he expects us to take. Jesus, our defender, our defender against death, even when we don't realize we need one. Continuing on our passage with the next couple of verses. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. How comforting those words are. While Lazarus lay dead, Jesus came to him. And while Lazarus was dead, Jesus interceded for him. Father, he says, I thank you that you have heard me. And he does the same thing for us. Father, he will later say, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Jesus is our mediator, our advocate, our intercessor. He comes to us 
while we were dead. And he intercedes on our behalf. And by his authority, he secures for us our own resurrection and new life. But he doesn't just secure it. He's the one who actually accomplishes it. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus is true God. For what human can raise the dead? This power and authority has been given to no one. Its use has been reserved for God. And God alone. And this God, Jesus, he traveled to the dead, stood at the foot of the grave, interceded and commanded the dead to life. He has done this for Lazarus. And he has done this for you. Your death has been defeated. Your life has been restored. And he calls you. And only then, only after he calls you, can you respond and move towards him. Only then can you make your way out of the grave where you were laid. But he brings more than just life. For what kind of life would you live if you remained bound? Is life constrained any kind of life at all? So Jesus frees you. Unbind him and let him go. That's what he commands of Lazarus. And he commands out of you, now alive, you are freed. Freed from the constraints of sin. Freed from the constraints of death. Go. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just walk to us while we were dead. That's what he did for Lazarus. That's not what he does for us. And it's not even ultimately what he did for Lazarus either. He's much more personal than that. He didn't stand outside of our tomb and call out to us by name. No. When he was on the cross and he gave up his life, he rolled away our stone. He walked into our grave. He died our death for us. He took our place. It was a death that we deserved. 
And in His resurrection, He raises our bodies and gives us new life. Can there be anything more personal than that? This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does. He is our true God, our suitable mediator, our perfect redeemer. He is our defender, our intercessor, and our ultimate, complete, perfect Savior. He gave up his life for you. He gave up his life for me. And through his resurrection, he brings us new life and he raises us from the dead. And this is what he offers us. This is what he promises us. This is what he died to give us. Jesus may have come to save the world. He may have come to offer life everlasting to all of mankind, but I can't grasp that. What I can grasp is that Jesus came to earth so that when he returns, he will come to my grave and he will call my name. And I will live forever in a new life that he promised me. This is my true God. My suitable mediator. My perfect redeemer. This is my defender. My intercessor. My ultimate, complete, and personal, perfect Savior. That's what I call him. What about you? Please pray with me. My great Savior, your power divine, I, a poor sinner, in death am confined. The cross you accepted, the grave you broke free, resurrected in glory, you give life to me. In your name we pray. Amen.